We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, bro? What's up, man? Victory uh, Monday coming up. It is. It is. Yeah, it's victory Sunday evening, victory Monday coming up tomorrow. And, you know, what's funny is the first thing my girlfriend said after they won is she's like, oh, you get to have a podcast full of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're damn right I do. You're damn yeah. right. Because yeah. you all know I, I always love to be positive. So, you know, anytime the 49ers can, can squeak squeak by a win, and squeak by they did, uh, what was it, 23-20 to 20 over the Rams? Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime the 49ers get themselves a win, it's always a, a little more fun to jump on here and pod just because we don't have to sound like we're like, you know, talking about somebody at a funeral. Yeah. I think too, you know, even after a win, the negative things still kind of come out positive. So I think that's why it probably, you know, it's probably definitely sound a little bit more optimistic, I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, despite, you know, it's because despite the negatives, they still found a way to win type of deal. And usually, if they found a way to win, that means there's enough positives to talk about that aren't completely overshadowed by the negatives, which it has been that way as of late. And, you know, there's there was still plenty about that game that was very, very, very ugly. But, you know, division, I've always said it, and I'll say it over and over again, division games are always like that. They're always like that. I mean, every now and then you will have, like, a romp where one team will – will beat the other pretty bad. But division games, even when it's a good team against a crappy team, they're just always different. And even though the 49ers going into that game were 4-6 and six and the Rams were 7-3, and three, it, was, it was still a game. 
You know, it just it just didn't matter. And I, and obviously, I think the 49ers, everybody knew the 49ers were a lot better than what they were playing. They got a ton of uh, players back before the game that you knew were going to swing things a little bit towards their favor. And it just it just was one of those games where I went into it. I expected the Rams to win, but I wasn't going to be surprised at all if the 49ers pulled it off just by the way they've always played the Rams in the past. Did you kind of like feel the same way? Well, yeah, remember we were closing out the podcast and, you know, you were talking about like, I don't feel good. And I was like, man, you know what? That's the same thing you said last time and the 49ers ended up winning. And then it kind of played out that way again. Now, obviously, the 49ers didn't just kick their ass this time. I think they you ain't got to call me out like that, bro. No, I mean, you know, I mean, in the sense of, in the sense <laughs> of like not feeling good about the game, like heading into the game, which rightfully it's so. It's true. It's rightfully, true. Rightfully so. Like, how, how could you feel good? You know, especially when we record it, because we record it before the news of getting back Sherman and Debo and Trent Williams and, you know, all those guys. Like, right. Know, and we recorded before that. So, you know, it was probably, you know, at least I was for sure even less optimistic. Now, when I saw those guys come back, I'm like, ah, for Niners definitely can win this game. It's going to depend more on how Nick Mullins plays. And we'll get into it, but I thought he, I don't want to say he did everything to try to lose. <laughs> I, I, thought say, he played. I was gonna say something similar, dude. Like, yeah. despite everything Nick Mullins <laughs> did, the 49ers still found a way to win. But I don't want to get on Nick Nick Mullins because he is a backup, you know, and I think he's just playing a lot more games than you ideally want him to have to play. So, correct. I, I will say, with the things that I expected him to do, which is probably turn the ball, turn over the ball some, because that's what he does. I would think those things would lead to a loss, and. Somehow, and not just him, there were fumbles by the running backs and stuff like that, but the 49ers still were able to come up with the win. So that was that was very, very cool to see. And I think that speaks a lot to, you know, the coaching staff and, and how they get this team, you know, ready to play, like, you know, with whoever, whoever they, they have to play with. You know, it, it was never going to be pretty because you just don't have – like, you're still missing your two best players on your offense, which is your quarterback and George Kittle. So without them, you know, it's going to be a little bit more challenging, and um, they still were able to, you know, get a win. Obviously, a lot of help from the defense. Got a pick six from Ken Law and, you know, got some turnovers, uh, two forced turnovers by uh, by uh, Jimmy Ward, which I was really excited about because, you know, I've probably been one – I don't want to say really critical of him, but that's been the one thing where I'm like, man, he plays well, but I need more takeaways. And he finally gave me two, so I was really excited about that. Right, and it wasn't necessarily that you ever were down on Jimmy Ward's ability to play the game and his ability right. to play the position. It's just you have to be a playmaker, and you got to right. turn the ball over and and you know make you know make positive situations for your team. And he just wasn't consistently like that. He definitely made plays. I wouldn't even but, say wasn't consistent. Like he just wasn't like that. Right, and 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 today he was he was the guy on defense, like. I'm kind of like thinking of, of of like through the game in my head, and we'll get in we'll get into defense. We, we, real, real we quick, though, before we get into that, because Jared Goff had a big hand in this game too. But what the fuck was Jared Goff doing trying to shake Jimmy Ward? <laughs> like, <laughs> Goff, what are you doing? My brother, my brother FaceTimed me instantly and was like, "What is Jared Goff doing?" <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, I don't know. He's like, all of a sudden, thought he was Kyler Murray or something. Like, no, you're not that. And then he fumbled. Like, that was terrible. But it's like, dude, just get the yards and slide. Like, that's what you do. And sometimes, you know, and I get on uh, Mullen sometimes and Jimmy about like, hey, you know, you guys can't move in the pocket a little bit. And maybe they don't because that's just not them. And I guess when you try to do stuff that's not you, you end up doing what Jared Goff did. And that was terrible. So, yeah. Well, you know what that reminds me of, dude, is is Jared Goff trying to shake Jimmy Ward reminds me of when we got that mailbag question about, I think it was from my buddy Jared Brown about how many completions I'd be able to get against you in one-on-one. <laughs> right. Like, it's just a guy who doesn't do that thing going against a guy who does that shit all the time at a high level. Like, Jared Goff's not a running back, and he tried to do running back things against uh, uh, an NFL high-caliber free safety that's used to making tackles in space. And so not only did Jimmy Ward have no problem tackling Jared Goff but he was so comfortable with tackling Jared Goff that he also knocked the ball free, which is not always like people don't understand how hard that is to do, like against a normal NFL offensive skill player. Like, you know, it's hard enough just to bring those guys down to begin with, let alone while you're bringing them down. Also, put your and get your hands in a way to where you can fight for the ball as well. 
that's not very easy. You know, it's hard. A, a lot of a lot of coaches teach. You know, yeah, sure, I, I, we want to force turnovers, but if you're the first guy to the to the player, I want you to make the tackle. And if you can hold him up, then this, the next guy, the only thing I want you doing is going after the ball. You know, right. a lot of coaches will coach that because, you know, they want you to make a sound tackle before anything else. And, you know, Jimmy Ward just walks up there and not only does he, he blast him, but he knocks the ball free. So, yeah, that, yeah, that Jared Goff trying to shake Jimmy Ward is, is what is the equivalent of me trying to run routes against Eric Crocker. So that, that's, that's, my, that's my best comparison for that because it was yeah. just – it was ugly. And one more thing I wanted to talk about because my guy Nick Newman was like, you, you – because I – okay, so first I tweet out a video <clears throat> about like – I don't want to say being disappointed, but just feeling like, damn, 49ers won. You know, realistically, I don't think the 49ers should win. You know, like higher draft pick. You know, I'm thinking like that. But I kind of want to clarify because I ended up deleting the tweet. And somebody was like, why'd you delete it? And I'm like, you know, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Because sometimes when you tweet something out with 140 characters, there's no, like, real context to it. I, I'm, like, the most competitive person you'll ever meet. So I always, especially watching the 49ers, like, while I'm watching the game, I want them to win. I want the 49ers to win while I'm watching the game. Now, in in my head, in the bigger picture of things, and not even for, well, I guess mostly for a quarterback, but the is is it you always want your team to win because from a mindset, you know, you you want to see everybody's still checked in, they're still listening to their coaches, they're buying into what the coaches are talking about, even during down times. I thought Shanahan and Salah have done a great job of doing that. So I want them to win for those reasons as well, too. But when I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, what, what are these 49ers without Garoppolo, without George Kittle and stuff like that? And it's challenging. So it's like, okay, do we win more games just to not have a chance at the playoffs or not have a chance to, you know, win the Super Bowl? Because if you go to the playoffs, like, that's the goal, right? Now, the one thing I probably should think about more is, say the 49ers, hypothetically, they went out. Right. And you would still look at them like, man, you're going to the playoffs and you're shorthanded a little bit, especially with no Bosa and, you know, D4, whatever's going on with him. And, you know, obviously no Jimmy or Kittle, but Jimmy and Kittle can come back. Right. Was it wasn't their injuries were something that it sounded like if the 49ers are really bad, then they'll probably be shelved for the whole year for the rest of the year. But if not, because I want to say the original timetable for uh, both guys was like, Six to eight weeks, right? And that was, was they were both around the same thing. And I think both was basically kind of both were basically kind of written off as end of the season because it was kind of a, a foregone conclusion and an assumption that the 49ers would not be playing for the playoffs. And you also just assume that with you know Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard that you're not gonna win games. So I think the kind of the, the overall assumption was that okay, Jimmy and George Kittle are out, but you know, they both have injuries that are around four to six weeks. Somewhere in there, let's just assume they're out for the season because what's the point of bringing them back at that point and risking re-injury or any of that? Now, like you're saying, if the 49ers put themselves in a position to make a run in the playoffs or, or get into the playoffs, I'm not going to say make a run, say get in, then all of a sudden, you know, they may be looking at them coming back. They're they're right. they're on they're still on the roster. They they don't have any any required timetables to return. It's just whenever whenever they feel like they're good to go. Right. You know, and and I think that's how – I just try to look at it from both ends of the spectrum. Like, again, I'm, you know, probably the most competitive person anybody ever meets. So I never want to, like, root for the 49ers to lose. I don't. But I'm not necessarily rooting for them to, oh, yeah, just win, win, win. Because we remember the last time we were – I don't even want to say we were rooting for them to win, but the whole Miles Garrett situation where it's like you, you want to see them win this game and, and you're happy that they win, but it costs you Miles Garrett. You know, and it was like, well, was the win worth it, right? I think in the end would say, no, that win was not <laughs> worth it, right? We're in a similar situation right now where I look at this team, and I'm like, man, they play tough, they play hard, they are fun to watch for the most part. They, they just need to, you know, hold on to these leads when they get these double-digit leads. But you see them, and it's just like, all right, without Kittle, without Jimmy, how 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 good of a team are they? You know, so are these wins? Okay, you win this game. Say you win, say you beat Washington, say you beat Dallas, right? And you end up with seven, eight wins, but you don't make the playoffs. Now, what does that do to you moving forward? Are you in position to try to get a quarterback that really can help you? Because right now, um, 
you're you're in a situation where you're you're, you're starting quarterback, even Garoppolo. We're talking a lot about Garoppolo right now because the 49ers are better with him. But clearly, he's not like the guy, right? Like he's not he doesn't he doesn't lift the 49ers over the threshold in the sense of hey, when things are going wrong, he's still going to be right. You know, and we've seen enough of that. I know a lot of people want to say, well, you know, he's been banged up and stuff like that. But I've seen enough of Jimmy to kind of know who he is. He's definitely a solid starter. You're going to be better with him than you are without him. But does he take the 49ers offense to higher heights and compared to somebody else that's just a competent quarterback? Because right now we're playing with Mullins, and it's easy to say, well, yeah, the 49ers are better with Jimmy than they are with Mullins. But Mullins is not really good. He's like not he's, the bar. He's he, not he's, he's not what he's you not should be measuring bar. quarterbacks against. Right. He's not the bar. So, you know, I, I just look at it like that where 49ers, clearly, they they can upgrade. not saying they will. Even if you draft somebody, there's a chance that he's not that good, right, if you draft somebody high. But in theory, you want to be in position to draft somebody higher that has more talent to help put you over the hump. And I'm just looking at it from a bigger picture, a, a broader scale of, Hey, what is more important, right? Winning a couple games against the Rams well, and the Redskins, yeah. or I mean, uh, the Washington football team, or being in position to draft somebody that, in theory, has more talent that can eventually elevate your offense to higher heights. No, and that's a good point. And I think it's it's you can do two things at once. You can say it's great to see the 49ers win a game because there are human beings on that team who are fighting for a job, fighting for a second contract, fighting for a promotion, fighting for whatever, you know, all the things that come along with winning in the NFL. But at the same time, you can also say that given where the 49ers are and where their roster is, that winning probably wasn't the best in the overall scheme of of the picture. You know, it's it, it could be both things at the same time. Just because you're saying that the 49ers probably should have lost in the grand scheme of things, a loss probably would have been better. Like you've already talked about with the Miles Garrett situation, doesn't mean that you're you're saying that the 49ers should tank or it's not good that the 49ers won. Because if I mean if you you're, if you ask me, I will always even at the cost of long term, you know, you know, getting better draft position, getting Solomon Thomas instead of Miles Garrett. Right. Obviously, that is what you want. You want that. But the game of football is so. In, you know the the concept of competing and always playing your best and always trying to win is just so woven into the fabric of football that of course that's always what you should do, no matter what. That is always right. what you should do, especially when you consider career stability and everything that goes along the human side of things. You know these guys need a, they need this job. They're taking care of their families and some of the better players. Yes, they make an obscene amount of money, but they're very good at what they do. And that money can secure their family for generations, for generations. Like, you know, that is such an amazing thing to be able to do. So obviously always competing, always playing your best and always trying to win is the, it's, it's like it go it should be able to go. It goes unsaid. That should be right. what you, it, it, it's always what you should do. But if you're just trying to be a strategist and you're just looking at things in a longer-term spectrum, then of course the 49ers should have lost today. If if you're trying to say, if the 49ers are trying to, let's say that they really want to find a new quarterback, and that's not crazy to say. It doesn't mean that we're saying they should. It doesn't mean we're saying that Jimmy Garoppolo completely sucks. There's plenty of people out there that still believe that they could win and play well with Jimmy Garoppolo. Got it. Cool. Let's just say the 49ers want a new quarterback. If that's the case, did today's win hurt them? Absolutely. But it's okay, and it's okay to say both those things. It's just, but there's also value in in a team with still a lot of young players learning to win and learning to compete and learning kind of what that mental, what the uh, like a what mental state you need to be in to win in the NFL. So there's all kinds of different things to consider about it. But someone saying like, you know, Croc bringing up the idea that that win is bad for their draft prospects and and landing a quarterback that they really want is not like. He's not saying they should lose. It's just obviously not beneficial to them in that regard. Right. You know, and, it's, and it's not crazy. It's <clears throat> not he. You're not saying they should tank. It's just at this point, do you think the forty? You know, let's just say. I mean, we we really don't know what where Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are, but let's just on the pessimistic side of thing. Let's say let's say they can't come back, come back. Then you're looking at a team that's obviously even if they manage to land like a miracle wild card spot, you're looking at a team that is 
you know, insane odds to go anywhere. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just what it is. Just remember back to when they played Green Bay. Yeah, and I just want to chant. Even like, say they, say they do. Like, I I at least like, it's like, do we? And again, it's better to make the playoffs than not make the playoffs. But it's like, okay, looking at it right now, right now we're looking at it, and we're looking at it from a realistic standpoint. And the 49ers get into the playoffs, right? You're playing wild card, and you go on the road and play somebody, and you get beat by 30. Because now everybody's dialed in and they're really, you know, Mullins doesn't really elevate the team. Like you would need a miracle to, you know, with, with, with Nick Mullins. You would need every single thing to go right. You would need him to not turn the ball over at all, which we've seen he does more often than not, right? 49ers have been in position even this year to win games with Nick Mullins, and he tricked it off. If he beat the Eagles, I don't want to say if he beat the Eagles. 49ers were in position to beat the Eagles and he turned the ball over three times. You know, like right. one in, one being the pick six to the point where it's like, hey, we have to bench you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. I I I always want to root for the 49ers to win. Yeah, I'm just looking at the bigger picture, and I'm like, man, if if we want to kind of solidify this position moving forward and be able to allocate money throughout uh, the rest of the roster, like you know, being able to kind of move on from Jimmy and be able to sign some of these guys back, Richard Sherman. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Just got an interception. First game back was tackling extremely well. You know, Richard Sherman played very well. You want to be able to bring him back. You know, other guys, you're going to have to choose maybe between Verrett and Mosley. Like, you know, you want to bring one of those guys back. Uh, there are going to be other guys. You know, a lot of guys are going to be free. Trent Williams. You're going to want to bring him back. So, you know, having Garoppolo on your roster makes it tougher. If you have him, then obviously, like, yeah, you, you just got to make do with what you can. But if you're in position to draft somebody that you think, hey, this guy can come in and he can, at the very least, we can have an offense that he can run and he can build onto. Then, like, yeah, like, you know, you get to, you know, losing Jimmy, you get to put money elsewhere and keep a really good team on the field and have a young guy at quarterback. And there are a lot of people that are scared of the thought of playing a young quarterback, but I'm not. I'm looking at these quarterbacks in the NFL right now and teams on lesser teams than what the 49ers have when healthy. And those quarterbacks are doing very well. And they're playing. They're playing good. They're 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 doing really good things. And they don't have the roster that the Forty ers can potentially have, or even the offensive coordinator, the the play calling, the coaching. So that's just kind of how I look at it. Like, you know, from I, I'm not looking at it from a fan's perspective. I'm looking at it like, say, if I have nothing to do with the Forty ers I would say, man, why are they winning? <laughs> you know, my brother. <laughs> when the Forty ers won, my brother, he's a he's a diehard Steelers fan. He FaceTimed me and was like. Why the fuck are you guys winning? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, obviously you don't choose if you win. You know, 49, you just try hard, and if you win, you win. But he's just saying, in theory, like, that's not really what you guys want right now. You know, and nope. I know fans are not going to look at it like that. Fans are like, how can you have that mindset? You should want to win every single time. And it's like, yeah, I feel like that. But if I'm if I remove my fandom from the team, yeah, you look at it like the, 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 the win, does it help? You know, and that's how I would be looking at it if I weren't a 49er fan. But I am, so obviously, I you know, I always want to see them play well. Right, and, and and I think you did a good job explaining of the fact that there's just so many different ways you can look at it at this point. You know, yes, obviously, at the foundation of everything football, you always want to win. But then there's all these other things that you can consider, and you should be able to consider them out loud, whether that's on Twitter or with people, and not be considered weird for saying that the 49ers probably should be losing. But they're not, and that's great because, like I said, it's football. You want to win, but there's still these all these other very obvious scenarios that where it would benefit the 49ers to lose, and you know they didn't. So, but obviously we're here. We have plenty of reason to be positive. We've kind of like found a way to talk about how the 49ers maybe should have lost, but that's okay. Um, hopefully, our listeners here at Striking Gold can understand the minutia of what we're talking about and just the fact that. There are plenty of things to consider when a team that obviously is not playoff caliber in their current form starts winning football games. So um, especially one that might be in the market for a shiny new quarterback. But we'll come back. When we come back, we'll talk about the 49ers win, who showed up, who didn't show up, all that good stuff um, on the offense and the defense. We'll, we'll, we'll just kind of break down our reactions to the game uh, real quick right after a, a quick word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. 
Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you up with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates are going to see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Obviously, football is back. It's in full swing. Depending on where you live, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Ben Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Okay. 49ers beat the Rams 23-20. to A lot of noteworthy performances out of there. You know what? I, I, I don't want to like crush. I'll say it in a way where it doesn't. But the, the key players that the 49ers got back against the Rams were Debo Samuel, Richard Sherman, and Raheem Mostert. What did you see from all three of those guys today, Croc? They were heavily involved. They right. Plays. Big they plays. made some plays. Now, most of this wasn't Mostert's best game from a yards per carry uh, perspective, but I thought he ran hard. Now, he did fumble, right, the one that led to a pick six. That's not good. But um, – for the most part, man, like those guys, Richard Sherman coming in, making the interception. Uh, Debo Samuel, his best game as a pro, over 130 yards, what, 12 catches or whatever he had? 11, 12 catches? 11, yeah, 11 catches, 133 yards. Oh, man, like, wow. Nice to have him, right? We and get some of those yards game. were hard yards, too. Hard. I'll like say this, too. That dude was – I, I, I think, you know, when we think about that that class and we watch every Sunday we're watching uh you know, AJ Brown make plays, we watch DK Metcalf, you know, what he's done and it's just like, Oh man, we could have had those guys and in my head I'm always like, Man, we got Debo and it's just kinda hard to, you know, remember that a lot of times because he's missed so much time. You know, he started off with the broken foot, then he had the hamstring injury. But it's like, man, like I don't I don't miss having DK or AJ, you know, when Debo is on the field. Does that make sense? Like, you know, like we'll look at it and be like, oh, man, these guys are sweet. And it's like, no, Debo is sweet too. He just he just has to stay healthy. That's it. We just saw the impact that he had where, you know, he's he's playing, you know, you got, who do you have on the other side of you, right? There's no Kittle on the field. There's no Ayuk on the field. You know, you got Richie James and, and Bourne. They've made a couple of plays, but it's like you're it. Like this is it's just all you, Debo, and he 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 was up for the challenge and played extraordinarily well. So that was really good to see. And and I know again, you know, we watch these other guys, DK and, and and McLaurin and all these guys from that class. But I think Debo is right there with him, you know, when he's healthy. You know what is what's kind of crazy is obviously different situations and stuff. But McLaurin's like one of my favorite receivers from that class, and he might be my most favorite. Yeah, I just I, – I don't know why he is. I just, like, really like the way he plays the position. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, obviously, DK is just an absolute monster. So is A.J. Brown, and so is Debo Samuel. But, like, I don't know. There's something about watching McLaurin play. Like, maybe it's because he's a little smaller, 
and he and he's not. You kind of when you look at him, you wouldn't expect him to dominate, you know. And he just goes out there and scraps, and he's a super good route runner. But anyways, I, I don't want to get off topic, but I like I like Terry McLaurin a lot. And um, he's by himself. I just talked about Debo being by himself, but shoot, McLaurin is like who does he have? Right, right. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, Debo Samuel, man, and and the the hard part is is that when you look at the way Debo Samuel plays. It's not a surprise that he gets hurt. You know, like, he's a receiver that goes out there and just plays. There are, like, hella running backs in the NFL that don't run as hard as Debo Samuel. (laughs) Like, a lot of them. And and I guarantee you, if they wanted him to be, Debo Samuel would probably be a legit-ass starting running back if if they, for some reason, in some other universe, wanted him to be that. You know, but when you watch him run, you're like, shit, man. Like, like I love the fact that he plays the game so damn hard, but that's also going to be why he gets hurt because he's never going to go down on first contact. He's never going to take the easy way out. He, dude, barely even wants to run out of bounds. You know, he always wants to square up. So it, it just doesn't surprise me that he is a guy that will get hurt often. You know, and, and, and then you've got, like, Brandon Ayuk, who I wish, he, you know, obviously he couldn't have been out there today. He was still on the COVID list. But, like, he has an entire – he's kind of the same, but he has an entirely different way of doing it. You know, like, he just seems like he's got one of those weird frames that's capable of, like, absorbing contact and staying on his feet. So, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to – we've said this a million times, but, you know, we just haven't gotten a whole lot of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel at the same time yet. Which maybe one is, game, maybe? Uh, what, yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look, but it's just annoying because they're both so good. And it, I think that both of those guys are going to work out. And as far as this, like we're talking about with this huge crop of rookie receivers, with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk combined, I feel like the 49ers are, are in really good shape at wide receiver. You know, like, you're, you're not, and you're, the, both of them are on rookie contracts. Both have shown me things that I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be legit. And, and, I, and I feel great about that. You know, and, and going back to Raheem, he was he, he didn't he had to work for what he got. You know, he had that one touchdown where he got out there untouched. But even that one, if you watch it, the reason he scored on that play untouched is just because he's so damn fast. And I think there were two defenders that could have and maybe had it been anyone else, might have been able to to get a tackle there. And Raheem's just too damn fast, and they take shitty angles because they don't know how fast he is. So it's um. It's just it's just crazy, dude. It's crazy. And I and I think I tweeted about it. Like NFL defenses still just don't realize how fast Raheem Mostert is. Nah, he's and, he's crazy. And it's because of you know, it's it's a few things. Like he's a bigger guy, he's pretty stout, he's got a bigger muscles and a bigger frame, so you wouldn't necessarily expect like elite speed out of that frame. And he's also runs with pretty big strides. And that kind of leads to how what we've talked about in the past, Crocker, where he kinda has a weird running back style. He's not like a super sharp cutter. He's kind of like a one-cut guy, and he can kind of weave. He's a glider. Right, yeah, and that's because he has bigger strides, and he glides, and people just don't understand. Like, when you look at – like, you look at how Kyler Murray runs. He's fast, but he takes, like, eight steps for every one yard. Like, he runs like a kid that got in trouble. (laughs) You know, like his dad's chasing him, trying to swat him in the ass. And whereas, like, I guarantee if you looked at the two of them, for every five steps – a guy like Kyler Murray takes, Raheem probably takes two, like realistically. And that makes someone look like they're moving slow. To your eye, you are equating the, the way his legs are moving with slow movement, and he's not. He's, he's not. It's because every one of those steps is like a horse, and he's powerful. So, you know, it's just it trips me out. And then you have Richard Sherman who came back and got an interception on, on, his, on his first game. What is it? First was it Was it the first quarter? It, I can't it, remember. It was, it, yeah, it was first. Early, it was early on in the game, and I think I think I think Goff thought Richard Sherman was going deep, but he had he had help back there, and he was kind of like baiting Goff into making that throw. I think that's what I saw, but it's always hard because I didn't go back and watch like a replay or anything, you know. But it seemed like one of those IQ plays from Richard Sherman, but I'm not sure. You'd have to huh. you'd have to enlighten me. I don't know. Is there anything you saw on that that pick? Is I think it was just an overthrow. I don't know who Goff was throwing to. I'd have to look again. I just every time I was looking, I was just like, God damn, who the hell is he throwing to? But I never looked <laughs> I, to see like I thought there was a was guy deeper, to. but maybe there wasn't. Right. I don't know. I, I, it, Golf was off, man. How do you? He how missed do you, a lot of throws. 
we we talk a lot about you know the 49ers quarterbacks and stuff like that, but like man, I mean we're talking about first overall pick, and I mean he's just he's serviceable. Like when he's playing well, he plays well, but when he's not, I mean I, he's I, a I lot like Jimmy Garoppolo, bro. Yeah, I was just about to say I hate to bring up <laughs> Garoppolo, but he reminds me a lot of Garoppolo where when they're on it looks really good, but there are just these other times where in these games where it's just like. How come you just can't play clean football? And that that's what it looked like today. I was just like, golly, he's he just doesn't have it. But if you watch some last game, who did the Rams play? It was a primetime game. But I think it was the Buccaneers, right? Yeah. I mean, look good. Smoked look sharp. Hitting guys. Yeah. I mean, Robert Woods going crazy. Cooper Cup going crazy. Like big and you watch that and you're like, hell yeah, like we got a franchise quarterback. Then you watch him today and you're like, God damn, like, can we move on from this guy? Like that's what I would be thinking if I'm a Rams fan. How do I well, get better from Jared Goff? Plays. And the same thing happened against the 49ers the first time the Rams and the 49ers played. Is The 49ers beat them pretty handedly, but Goff left a lot of throws on the field. And he did the same thing today. There, were, I mean, not as many as I remember the first time they played, but there were just so many times where he was just like, I'm like, damn, what he, what the hell was he throwing to? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was rough. It was rough. But uh, let's, I mean, let's break this down. So, Kind of how we made a joke earlier, it, it did seem like the 49ers' efforts were in spite of Nick Mullins. Like, Nick Mullins threw another couple of passes that should have been interception intercepted. One of them was, uh, I believe it was tipped at the line of scrimmage, and then it was intercepted. Wait, wait, wait. Um, wait. Not, not to stop you. Not to cut you off. But we, no, we no, do no, want to no. start off with something positive, right? And I will say this, and I was extremely happy about this from, from Nick Mullins. He made a play outside the pocket. The, the play did. right before halftime, he, he got out the pocket and threw the ball downfield to Kendrick Bourne. And I was like, God damn, I've been waiting for that. Like, thank, like that looked good. And the crazy thing God is we damn. see it one time from him, and we might not ever see it again. There are quarterbacks that make those type of plays routinely. Like, every game they make that play. And But it was good to see Nick Mullins at least do it one time. Sorry to cut you off. You can get back to what you're saying. No, no, you're good, man. But – and, and like I, I, what I was going to say was, is like there was for about 75%, 85% of that game, it felt like the 49ers were trying to win in spite of Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins was just not playing good football. He was making a throw or two every now and then, but he was just missing some easy throws, some wide open. It was bad. It was, it was pretty bad. And then like, Right when the 49ers absolutely needed him to step up and they had no other choice, it's either now or never for Nick Mullins and the 49ers. He did. Yep, missing throws. You know, he did. He he led the 49ers on on. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong game here. I was looking at the uh, the Buccaneers game, but he led the 49ers on two drives. One, you know, one of them was 10 plays for 49 yards that put them in field goal position, and Robbie Gould hit that one for 44 yards, and then the next drive was 11 plays for 56 yards with, you know, two minutes left in the game, and he led the he, he led the team on an 11-play 56-yard drive for Robbie Gould to hit the game-winning 42-yarder. So, like, look, I mean, I, I get it. Mullins played horrible, and, and this is not me trying to say he had a good game by any stretch of the imagination, but when the 49ers were in do-or-die situation and it was either Nick Mullins step up or we lose – he stepped up, you know, and he made some pretty good throws there uh, to, to keep that drive going. Hitting Debo Samuel on a slant that keeps him moving at 100% speed is never easy for any quarterback, you know, and, and, and he did that a, a couple times, one right down there to help make that game winner a, a little shorter. So, you know, as much as I could sit here and bash on, on Nick Mullen's play because he wasn't great, uh, he did what he needed to do in crunch time when there was no other choices. You know, at least during the other parts of the game, he was playing shitty, but the defense was playing on point, and they were doing everything they needed to do to keep the 49ers in the game. But Nick Mullins stepped up. And that's and, a lot uh, what we get from Garoppolo, and, and too, right? That, like, you know, there a lot of times with Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of how I compared the two with him and Nick Mullins, Mullins typically isn't good enough to overcome a lot of his mistakes that he makes. Where Jimmy is good enough to make his to overcome some of the mistakes he makes, um, he typically doesn't compound mistakes, right? He'll have an interception and then lead the 49ers down on a touchdown drive. Well, we don't really get that with Nick Mullins, but 
we, you know, the part that we do get is when the game is in reach, typically, Jimmy Garoppolo drives down the field and wins the game. And that leads to, you know, what a lot of people uh, look at Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, his record, right? He has so many wins. And we always, you know, there were a lot of people telling me this offseason, like, hey, man, the 49ers are winning in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, nah, man, like, he drove down the field on this, you know, this game-winning drive, and he did this, and he lived it, you know, fourth quarter uh, game-winning drives. He led down the NFL last year, and they're, and they're trying to tell me, like, Eric, you know, he's like, he's a game manager, and he and they win in spite of him. And then you watch this game, and that's kind of what happened with Nick Mullins, right, where he probably did a lot of things to overcome, I mean, to to maybe make the 49ers lose, but at the end of the day, when the game was on the line, he made some throws. And he, I mean, he threw a slant, that slant to Debo. Like, that was, there was tight coverage. He didn't really even have anywhere to put that. But he put it in the perfect spot to where uh, Debo was able to catch the ball in stride and run for a big game. And then also um, later, later um, threw a slant to Debo where he caught it and was able to get like a first down. So I, I thought those were two big time plays, you know, especially for a quarterback. You know, we, Talk a lot about him, but ultimately he's a backup quarterback, but he made some star-level plays right there down the stretch. That was really good. Yeah, no, it was. It was. And, and, and obviously everything you do in a game is, you know, will we'll, we'll contribute to the result. You know, you always, you know, everything, obviously every throw you make as a quarterback is important and it can have implications that affect the game. But, you know, it, to me it's just important to recognize, like you're saying, like when it came down to do or die, like either we do this or we lose, he stepped up and helped lead a couple of, of drive that, drives that resulted in points and a win. So, you know, I don't want to hate on him too much when when he did some stuff to uh, to earn some praise there, and that and that was cool. And Kendrick Bourne had three catches, so I think we should jump in here and do a little update on your Kendrick Bourne bet real quick. Well, he missed last game, so that hurt me. That's zero catches. And then he comes back and he has three catches, which is is fine. But, but it's not on pace. I don't. It's think. not on pace. It's not nope. on pace. He's got twenty. No, I don't think this has the most recent game in it though. Okay, well, so this, this has yeah. him as twenty-nine receptions. So he has thirty-two then, right? So I need thirteen more catches, and there's not a lot of games left. Right. There are. So all, how many game? How many games do the Forty ers have left? I want to say four. I always, you got the Bills I, coming up, and then you have the Redskins. No, five Bills. Bills. Bills, yeah, Bills, Washington, Dallas, Arizona, and yeah. Seattle. Yeah. So he has five games, and I believe by my count, he has 32 receptions. And yeah. you bet what? That he needed 45? He needs 45. Okay, so he needs 13 in those games. Right. And how many games did we just say? Five? Five. Okay, so I mean, that's 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 three per game, right? Yeah, uh, roughly, yeah. Right. A little bit less right. than I mean – about two yeah, and a half. no, he can, he can, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I it could happen, bro. It, it could happen. Ha- what did you bet? Like, what were the? Oh, it was a hundred dollars. Oh, okay, that's a good amount. All right. Yeah. All right. Damn, I'm rooting for you, bro. Yeah, no, I'm rooting All right, for. Let's over. Uh, let's let's. Let's go for <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Justice for Kendrick Moore, baby. Let's go. Um, let's jump over to defense, which to me is the unquestionable star of this game is every member of Robert Sala's defense. You know, it wasn't sexy when it came to sacks. You had kind of Kerry Hyder standing by himself up there with the, the team's only two sacks, who that guy needs to be in the future plans for the 49ers. He's just played hella good. And if they get, you know, when they get Bosa health, back healthy, if it were up to me, I'd be moving on from D Ford. I, and I'd use that, a little bit of that money to keep Kerry Hyder around for another couple of years because that guy is, is, has been money. So yeah, he had two sacks, but then there was everything else. The defense was just so good throughout pretty much the entire part of that game because even when you go and you look at the scoring plays, if you go and look at the scoring plays for the Rams, their one and only touchdown, now not the one and only one, excuse me. One of their touchdowns was defensive after Raheem fumbled the ball after getting hit in the backfield. And then their other touchdown was basically fed off one huge broken play run where Cam Akers ran for 61 yards, got right down to the end zone and scored. So obviously that that's on the defense. 
you have to stop the run. But it, it, the performance of the defense was a lot better than even this. Would you agree that it was a lot better than even the score says? Yeah, I, you know, I think it probably also feels like that too because, you know, this is a team that's playing without, like, their, their you know, their bookends. So, you know, kind of right. being able to Severely make those type of plays, hamper. you know, being able to make those plays. And, I mean, Hyder had a couple sacks. Like, come on, man. Like, uh, pick six off of a hit um, was Givens that hit uh, golf. And then, you know, Kenlaw on the right spot, returning for a touchdown. I mean, for them to be able to make those type of high-level plays, you know, without having their book ends, that, that's just big time, man. That was big time. And DJ Jones. I mean, you're missing DJ Jones, too. Like, that's, that's a big miss. That's a big loss. Yeah, and it is. We didn't even recognize it, it because it DJ Jones – I mean, um, because uh, Givens was in the middle playing so well. I was just going to say, like, like you know, with, with every loss, give someone else an opportunity to make a name for themselves. And Kevin Givens has looked really, really good. And, and it feels like every time he's gotten little chances to be on the field, he's always had these little flashes. And I think he's a guy – Kind of like a DJ Jones. Kevin Givens, I believe, was undrafted. But DJ Jones was a late-round pick, and every time he's been on the field, he's found little ways to flash and earn himself a bigger role. And I feel like Kevin Givens is in the process of doing that too. He's a smaller guy. He's not a big dude, but he's kind of on the quicker side, kind of in in a similar like realm to Aaron Donald where you have a guy that's uh, – and I'm not talking about talent. I'm just talking about a guy that's smaller that typically you wouldn't expect from any success from a defensive lineman at that size. But they're just small, quick, stout, um, and they can make plays with their movement. And he had a hell of a game. He had a tackle for loss, a quarterback hit. He also recom- re- recovered a fumble. And in that quarterback hit is when um, Javon Kinlaw picked it up and ran it in for the big man touchdown. So, and you know, he's just he just had himself a game. And you know, if you look at the box score, it's not all that impressive. You know, he only had two tackles, but at the same time, it's just one of the, you just have to watch the game. Yeah, you watch the game, you can see his impact. But I have a question for you. So, well, if you're the 49ers, and I want to say DJ Jones is going to be a free agent. Yes. Is that right. So, yes. would you rush DJ Jones? Is, would you look at? Maybe moving on from DJ Jones and playing and, you know, having given somebody just be there to replace him? I think so. Uh, it just depends. You'd have to at I least mean, consider it, huh? Right. I mean, if you look, let's look at let's look at what the D49ers defensive line would be like. Let's say if you let DJ Jones go and you let D4 go and then you re-sign Kerry Hyder and you put, put Kevin, Kevin Givens up there and let's say Nick Bosa comes back, you'd be looking at a defensive line of, uh, Kerry Hyder, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Gibbons, and Nick Bosa. Does yeah. anybody have a problem with that? Mm-hmm. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, you, and and the forty, and I don't know what DJ Jones is going to ask for in the way of free agency. Um, I think he, I think if he hit free agency, he'd probably get a pretty respectable deal. Not like you know bank breaking or anything. I'm not, but I do feel like he's done enough to kind of be on the radar of NFL teams. It just depends on on what the 49ers work out with him. Right. You know, he you know, he has had some injuries and maybe he he just wants to stay with the 49ers and he'll do it at a reasonable price compared to maybe what he would be making on the free agent market, which I feel like like I said, I feel like I, I don't know the defensive line market very well, but I feel like somebody like DJ Jones might get a like a a 3 or 4 year contract worth like maybe like 2 or 3 or 4 million dollars a year or something. I think it'd you be know? more than that. It, it, and, and I was just going to say that might be even be a little modest because DJ Jones has made has made plays. Well, you and, always get paid. You always get overpaid when you hit the free agency market. So one hundred percent. You know, there's going to be several teams that are interested in this defensive tackle that is athletic and quick, and you know he is a good pass rusher. You know he is good. Like he does all these things. He's very well rounded. Um, there are going to be teams I think that will pay him. Uh, you know upwards of you know seven eight million dollars a year like I wouldn't be surprised so, I mean, if that's the case then then the 49ers it almost leaves them no choice but to move on you know if, if that's the numbers that they have to talk about with DJ Jones then they'll they'll leave no choice and somebody like Kevin Givens showing out to end the season will will let them feel comfortable in doing that or at least okay with it because they're going to be especially if they keep Jimmy Garoppolo they're going to be up against the wall with salary cap now if they if they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and go the direction of, of a rookie, 
um, or some other option that frees the money, then maybe they'll have room to play around with stuff like that. But, you know, we're already just assuming that they're going to be up against the wall. So, right. um, you know, Kevin Givens showing out at this point really helps the 49ers out in the way of if they want to move on from that. And obviously you have, you have maybe the MVP of the game and Jimmy Ward who had a pass breakup was looked great in coverage, forced two fumbles. Um, it, it, it was just, you know, I guess the only other thing he could have done better is found some way to have an interception, which he didn't really, wasn't ever really in the position to have, but, uh, he had an outstanding game. Richard Sherman, w- who was all over the place, he had an interception like we talked about earlier. He broke up a pass. He had a tackle for loss. He led the team in tackles, which is one of Sherman's probably most underrated attributes is that the dude, uh, you know, kind of tackles like a, a tall, skinny linebacker. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he, he just hits, man. He, he plays. He knows how to do it too. He um, blitzed. I haven't seen the 49ers blitz him at all throughout his time with the 49ers. And early in the game on the first drive, him and I want to say Jawan Taylor, who, you know, Taylor, you know, he was hurt, you know, so 49ers lost him. But early in the game, Taylor and Sherman both blitzed off the off the edge. And we haven't seen that from Sherman. So that was good. You know, they're getting him involved there as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many players on the defense. I don't want to leave anybody out. Eric Armstead had a few great plays. Um, I'll talk about somebody who I, I was a little down on watching, and that was uh, Jason Verrett. Uh, this was a game where, you know, one thing that I harped on so much early on with what I was seeing from Verrett was how much he challenged himself. And there was no fear of getting beat over the top. It was him really challenging himself to be there to contest anything that's thrown his way. And I thought today – it was a little softer coverage where he was just keeping everything in front of him. And again, that, that that's fine because they weren't getting like these big gains. So, you know, that that's good, right? You'd rather see them, you know, get six, seven yards instead of, you know, like a big chunk play. But just from what I saw from him early on playing against the Giants and how much he challenged himself, challenged himself every single time um, he was guarding a receiver and just to not see that today and see him be a little safer, um, that was something I was like, hmm. You know, I just kind of took note of that. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I think I mean, he he didn't – you kind of mentioned it, but he, he didn't give up any big passes, but he, it seemed like he was perfectly willing to give up those five to ten-yard plays over and over. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how many it was. It obviously wasn't over and over. Maybe like did four. Up, yeah, he did give up a few. And I don't know, man. I mean, it seems like with the way the 49ers were playing – it was almost – you'd have to tell me, but it was almost like they were okay with – because Richard Sherman gave up a couple of them too. Um, they were perfectly okay with those. They just didn't want to give up any big plays. And they, I don't think they did other than that one one, one run, right? Right. Uh, you know, which is fine. You had Tavarius Moore covering Josh Reynolds deep just at the hip. That was nice to see. Um, you know, and, and I don't know how defensive coordinators approach this. But it seems like the 49ers, just by way of uh, Tart's injury, they've found every way they can to get more DBs on the field. You have Marcel Harris playing like a hybrid linebacker safety role. You have Tarverius Moore and Jimmy Ward probably giving the, the lion's share of snaps. And it seems like it's working out for him. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how to judge that. I don't know how to evaluate that. I don't know what to look for to know that it's, you know, but from my – from my point of view, it, it, it looks pretty good, especially with with when you compare what the Rams were able to do through the air against the Bucks last season, last week, or week and a half ago, versus what they did against the 49ers. It, I mean, whatever they're doing is working. Right. I'm going to try to um, up, pull up some stats. Go ahead, keep talking. I'm going to try to pull up uh, their stats from uh, the Bucks game and compare them to the 49ers game. I was actually, yeah, I was doing that. I was actually doing that right now while you were talking. I was comparing the receivers and the quarterbacks versus what they were able to do for the for versus the Forty Niners. But like okay. against the Bucks, ooh, three seventy six. Ooh, yeah. Against the Bucks, Jared Goff threw fifty one times and completed seventy six percent of them for three touchdowns. Still had two interceptions, and you know, um, Cup and Woods combined for twenty three catches and one hundred and seventy five yards. Uh, but against the Forty ers Goff was only able to complete 61% of his passes, only threw, got to throw it 
uh, 31 times compared to the 51 times against the Bucks. Um, didn't throw any touchdowns through two interceptions and Woods and Cup only combined for nine catches and 121 yards. Yeah, 80 of those from Woods. I see Cup only had, and you saw him have like that nice big game for, you know, 33 yards and you're like, oh man. But outside of that, he had one more catch for what, eight yards. Right. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty, you know, I, I'm just saying like, as the season goes on, the possibility of Robert Sala returning to the 49ers seems less and less likely. Because there's no way that NFL owners and upper echelon personnel throughout the NFL can't look at what the 49ers are doing on defense with the amount of injuries they have and not just be blown away. You know, and, and that will speak a lot to Robert Sala's ability to coach to coach in a way that's easily understood and coach in a way that motivates the players underneath him. Because when you lose players like that, it's so easy for an attitude of kind of despair to creep through the locker room like, damn, there goes our shot. When you see a guy like Nick Bosa getting carted off the field, like, well, shit, we're going to suck now. You know, and it, it, that's just a very human way to react like for when you see something of that magnitude. Um, but it just seems like the 49ers defense hasn't even had a shred of that for the most part. You know, they've been, they've played really, really good. And I feel yeah. like Robert Sala is, deserves a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for that. So I don't know. I mean, you got me, uh, I mean, we've touched on the offense. We've touched on the defense. I don't think we've left out anything glaring. I'm looking through this, just making sure. Um, shout out to Robbie Gold for, for coming in in the clutch. But, um, I don't know, man. You got any any last-minute things you want to say? Oh, last thing. Uh, you know, we touched on the draft so much. The 49ers, uh, before the game, were, you know, if the draft were to be today or yesterday or whatever, they would have been picking 14th. Um, after this win, the 49ers are set to pick at 15 right now. So the win did not do too much damage, but a loss possibly would have bumped them up, you know, if you're paying attention to any, any of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, and that's that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, to for considering all things considered, only losing one draft spot, not the worst thing in the world. If you were planning on giving up um, a whole truckload of draft picks to try and trade up again in quarterback, or if you were just going to sit tight and whatever, it, it really doesn't affect it all that much. But we'll see. We'll see. Oh, uh, and one more do. thing, there there were a lot of talks about like Tampa Bay early on, and now let's see what Tampa Bay shoot seven and five. There were people saying that they were the best team in the NFC. Well, and I believe they were at one point they were like five and one. No, what were they? What were they at their best? It was something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Let's see. Let's click on Tampa Bay. Let's see. They started off with a loss, and then they won, 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 and they lost. So they're three and two. They won. Four and two, five and two, six and two. They were six and two. Okay, so that was that was what they were at their at their their best. Yeah, I think six and two. I think unless my math okay. is wrong. But. Got it. Well, yeah, and then they're kind of falling through. And and what's been weird about the Bucks is when they lose, at least lately, it looks horrible. Yeah, like it's like everything implodes, and Tom Brady throws hella interceptions and weird stuff like that. But when they win, it's like goddamn, you know, like these guys look unstoppable. But that wasn't what it wasn't what we saw today. So yeah. Anyways, that it, man? You good? I'm good, man. Watching this game, okay. you missed a uh, – you missed a, uh, I know you're a Devontae Adams fan. You, you missed a really nice Devontae Adams touchdown. You'll see it, I'm pretty sure, at some point tonight. Yeah. He jumped only... in the air, twisted in the air, caught the ball. Like, that was really good. You'll like Was it, it like that uh, that CD Lamb catch a little bit? Uh, Not as dramatic, but it, it was good. That that CD Lamb was – that was like top notch. That was like a 10. But, you know, but, right. Um, I... Yeah. It wasn't quite that, but it was really good, though. It was nice. You'll like it. Okay. I'm going to give it a look. Fresno State, go Bulldogs. Let's go, baby. Um, anyways, that's it for us today. Hopefully you enjoyed the pod. Hopefully we were positive enough. Hopefully we didn't spend too much time harping on, you know, what it means for the 49ers to win versus losing at this point in their season. Uh, that's just us kind of thinking out loud, and hopefully you guys are cool with with, with us doing that. We're just two guys on here talking football with y'all. So I appreciate you guys, as always, tuning in. 
giving us a listen, keeping us afloat, making striking gold what it is, what it is. That's on you guys. You know, we appreciate the support. Um, whatever you listen on, if it's iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, if it has some way to to leave a review and and subscribe and all that stuff, I'm not even saying leave a positive review because I want you to be honest. Um, but it, get on there and do that. It, it helps us out. I appreciate it. Um, but that's it for us for today. Crocker and I will be back on here tomorrow, breaking down the game in a little bit more detail, some winners, some losers. We'll see where things are in the NFC West and in the NFC playoff picture and what the 49ers need to do. Um, but, hey, for another evening or whenever you're listening to this, for another morning, for another afternoon, striking gold 24-7, we're signing off. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.